Hi, everyone. We're back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Okay, so today it's Exodus 20, and it's the Ten Commandments. Um, the first verse I thought about was verse 2, where it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I think the first thing I thought about with regard to this is how this verse really sets up all of the Ten Commandments for us because, you know, it's a statement of who God is, that He is Lord, He's God, and He's the one who saved us, who brought us out of slavery. And so that really needs to be the underlying understanding and view of God that we need to have as we think about the Ten Commandments. And um, it affirms what who He is and what He's done. And um, I think when we understand that context, we'll understand the rest of the Ten Commandments because we recognize through that first verse that we owe our lives to Him. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who created us. So this is just a foundational truth from which the rest of the Ten Commandments flow. And um, I think also when we think about, you know, what how we ought to relate to God, you know, this needs to be the foundational truth that we go back to again and again. Yeah, I think it's the the history that God has with man, it's what defines uh, their relationship and he reminds them, hey, there's context here. Remember what I did and I rescued you and that they can then trust him. Um, remember how he saved them from uh, slavery in Egypt. And so again, that history defines their relationship and it's out of that he gives these commands. So, But as I was thinking about the commands, like just that word commands and 10 commandments and I thought, wow, that triggers such pride. Isn't it true that I often feel that way when I hear something like that, when anyone tells us to do anything like you should, you should. And like when Ellen tells me you should go running and I'm like, mm. I know, but because you told me I don't want to do it. You know, <laughs> there's like that kind of aspect in me. And um, even though like, what is she saying to me? She's saying you should be healthy and you should run exercise. It's good for you. It's going to make you happier. And um, but I just thought, wow, it's another indication of just my own rebellious heart. And it triggers that kind of, these commands trigger that kind of pride. And that we are proud creatures who just want our own personal autonomy and don't like it when anyone comes and tells us uh, what to do. And and I think it just, uh, again, reminds me that there's just a fundamental maladjustment to authority that we have, that I have. Um, and just the tragic move would be to view these commandments just as a bunch of do's and don'ts and you would really miss uh the heart of god and i think it's often like a parent like a parent we as a parent i, I give my kids a lot of commands a lot of things but it's not to enslave them it's to actually free them and it's to help them to become a more thriving person it's for their enrichment for their betterment so the boundaries that i place on them in a way um is for them to to thrive and Sure, it feels like commands when I say, oh, you should not do this or should not do that. But that's also out of my love and out of my wisdom. And man, I want the best for them. Absolutely. And I, I see, wow, this is why you should go to bed at this time. And this is why you should refrain from this activity or that. And there are rules, but it's not out of um, some vindictive reasoning, but it's out of love. And we have history, right? My kids, I can point that I've loved you. I've, I've cared for you. And so aren't I trustworthy? I think that's um, really what a lot of this is eliciting and hope fights against our own desire for self-autonomy. So in the first four commandments, you know, all of them have to do with how we ought to relate to God. You know, the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. Second one, you shall not make a carved image. Third one is, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. 
And then the fourth one is, you know, keep the Sabbath day holy. So, you know, the essence of all of these really goes back to our regard for God. And I was thinking, you know, it, that that comes naturally when there's somebody that we consider really important and precious to us. Like you see that when people are dating, like they will go out of their way to honor and love and show um, care for the person that they love. And it makes sense. We, we do that naturally in our love for another person. And um, I think in the same way, you know, this is what needs to characterize our how we relate to God. And it needs to flow from a sense of gratitude and an, an acknowledgement that he's Lord, he's creator, he's owner, he's also the one who's freed us, you know, so there needs to be thanksgiving. And, um, and because of that, we're going to want to honor him because of that, we're going to want to put away the idols and, um, and honor his name and keep the Sabbath day holy and trust him because he's the one who has been providing for us. And so, when we, I think when we start experiencing a sense of resentment, that's when you know that we've stepped away from that truth. And we need to go back to remembering, you know, going back to the basics of remembering who God is. How has he freed you? In what ways has he already provided for you? And how are our idols um, offensive to him in light of that, in light of what he's done? So, um, you know, the commandments kind of shows, you know, how we ought to properly relate to God, given who he is and what he's done for us and in the context of a love relationship. Yeah, just going back to those, uh, this idea of God is the one who rescued them first. And so these commandments are not a condition of the relationship, just to make sure it's not like we need to follow these in order for God to be committed to us. Just wanted to think about that because it's a not a condition of our relationship, but confirmation of the relationship that already existed. And like I was saying, when we follow God's commands, it's a way we can respond in gratitude. So, yeah, when my wife tells me you should run, like to be grateful for her uh, care and say, oh, yes, honey, you're so right. And, and then the appropriate thing would be to run, which I'm convicted to do today because she, she told me to do so. So, <laughs> um but yeah, I think one question I had was, how am I relating to God, though? Do I see him as that sort of vindictive, angry um, rule keeper who's just trying to make my life miserable? Or do I really see him as the one who wants my flourishing? And I think as um, as you get older, you also see that in your own parents. You go, oh, well, my parents are trying to put rules on me. We were rebellious. But as you get older, you go, oh, they were really just caring for me and you appreciate them. And I think that's always important in our relationship with God to zoom out and see how God has been so faithful to us. Uh, one last point just want to bring up because someone was asked me about this question about the idea of a jealous God and I just wanted to clarify like what does that mean um, this is considered a sort of divine jealousy not a human jealousy which is like envy um, and this is sort of anthropomorphic language that associates um, some characteristics to God that's more human-like but I think the question is 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 God this petty though and, um, you know, there are some, the biblical languages uses human analogies for us to try to understand. And in this context, it's that um, it's a jealousy that's driven out of love and not envy. And so what, what would that look like? That would be like, as a husband, I am jealous for the affection of my wife because we're covenanted and it should be us alone and that nothing should come uh, between 
our covenant and commitment to one another. And I just want to point that that's what it should look like. And it's not a God who is some angry old man who's a dysfunctional, like violent father who bitterly guards his children. And so we need to reframe that verse and that idea in this way as based on the love relationship that God has. So it's not a, a petty sense, but it's a desire uh, of our love and affection from our creator as our creator. So just want to end with that. All right. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye.